Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. To the ground, to a life consumed by slow decay. The grass was greener. The light was brighter. Hey everybody, welcome to, I guess what we can only call the Devante Adams off-season edition of Reporting is Eligible. Um, re- recording this slightly after just all hell broke loose in the NFL. Uh, many, many important people switched teams, and from our perspective, the most important one being that Devontae Adams, uh, the, a stalwart of the receiving crew, and uh, you know the best Packer receiver in quite a long time, is now a member of the Oakland Raiders. Um, the, it, it was done in trade. Um, the Packers wound up with the 22nd overall pick and the 53rd overall pick, uh, is compensation, um, which, you know, better than nothing, but, uh, there's some interesting things to talk about and interesting aspects to this. There's definitely some personal issues. I don't think this is all money. So, um, to assist me in this, in the off season podcast from not urban Wauwatosa from, from bourbon country, we have, that's right. <laughs> yes. Bourbon country, suburban Lexington, Kentucky, I guess is where I'm at right now. Uh, doing the vacation thing, but my name is J.R. Radcliffe, uh, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee journal Sentinel, although not this week. Cause I am in fact on vacation nice. living, uh, some, approximation of my best life down here uh <laughs> down here in horse country bourbon country i have not had any bourbon i realize i've been here like four days i haven't had a single sip i don't i don't know what's wrong with me it is just me with my children <laughs> visiting my parents so uh i i suppose i've been a little occupied but oh, you you're, think that- you're pulling what i did last week I, I went to see my folks in florida um thursday through sunday uh just just me and the kids so um, but wait florida which means you took a flight yeah yeah i took a flight with two children yeah, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, no, no. We drive when I can control the environment. We're not we're not taking a flight by myself as a solo parent. That's madness. So uh, props to you, my friend. That's a hell of a survival job. I, at this point, consider myself a flying professional. I'm I'm <laughs> very good at this. I uh, I fit all of our clothing and two uh, booster seats into one carry-on suitcase. Incredible. Uh, and got it up in into the, the rafters. And I just said, you guys take your backpacks, put whatever you want in there. I don't care what it is. And we'll go. And that's what we did. And it worked just fine. So. I mean, salute. And you obviously have a ton of experience with, with airlines. I, I, did, I have much less. So I have no confidence in my ability to match your acumen <laughs> in traveling alone with two children. But uh, um, I've, I've discovered and hopefully my wife never, ever, ever listens to this podcast. I'm fully <laughs> confident that she won't. But uh, this time I brought the Nintendo Switches along. I just gave them to them in the back. It was the oh, most yeah. peaceful seven-hour drive I have ever had. We, we try to restrict the screen time. Oh, oh and- absolutely. But if you're in a car, the, the, that is the time to let mm-hmm. everything go. It just is. Um, yeah. I will say that I am definitely not the strict parent of the two and uh, am a little more liberal with what I allow. This was a very peaceful seven and a half hour trip. Yep. Quite delightful, in fact. I, I, in fact, I'm kind of looking forward to the drive home, oddly enough. All nice, right. nice. I, I had one sna- one dad snafu that I made, which is uh, I, too, allow them to 
uh, watch videos and play video games as much as they want while traveling. Um, and I didn't want to bring all the tablets and stuff. So um, I was letting my daughter watch on my phone and I forgot to bring an over-ear headphone adapter, which was mm. not great because she does not do earbuds well. But we made it work. So it, it, right. it was okay. I'm glad it wasn't a longer flight. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, all right. So the Packers are still going on back in Wisconsin, even yeah. while we're traveling, traveling all over the United States of America. That they are. And uh, a little slighter than they were before. Well, I guess that's actually not true because they signed somebody too. But uh, the big thing is they they have like no receivers left at this point. It's it's rough. Um, and and uh, I feel like the Packers have sort of an unbroken string of having at least one awesome receiver it goes back really far. Like I think you have to kind of go back to the the Bill Schroeder, Bill Schrader. What, what how do we say his name versus the the catcher? Um, oh, that's you know what I have forgotten. I'm pretty. Hmm. I think it's Schrader, but I honestly don't remember. I think, I think it's sure. I think it's Schrader, but I think uh, like the post Bill Schrader era, they've always had at least one really good receiver. Um, that that receiving core was terrible. Uh, Amon Green was I think the saving grace of memory serves. I might be confusing my eras a little bit, but. Um, since then, there's always been at least one good one, Mo- often multiple good ones. And as as we currently stand, there the best Packer receiver is either the aged Randall Cobb or Alan Lazard. So <laughs> um, there's only really three receivers on the team. Amari Rogers is the other one. He's not the best. He is uh, he's definitely the worst. Um, and, it's a work in progress at its kindest. Yep. And I think everybody was very, very surprised by this development just because we had been assuming forever that Aaron and Devante would be a package deal, that they would work together. You know, they had their last dance memes and and whatnot. And as it turned out, not the case at all. Um, Adams claimed that he wanted to be the highest paid receiver in the league and the DeAndre Hopkins the DeAndre Hopkins contract has wreaked havoc on the league over the last week just just decimated team after team um but purportedly Adams also took less money than the Packers offered um he uh grew up a Raider fan there are pictures of him as a kid um cheering for the Raiders wearing Raider uniforms um he is I believe a college teammate of, of Derek Carr, which I was looking up quickly to confirm. But um, so he has familiar familiarity there as well, and um, he, he just wanted to be with his childhood team. And you know, if you, I, I can't really blame anybody who has lived in Green Bay and wants to go somewhere a little more exciting too with your life, especially if you get paid to do it. So um, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards Devonte Adams. I'm just kind of surprised that uh, he didn't come back to you know, a team that was almost in the Super Bowl last year and is going to a team that with a much more questionable future in a much harder division. So, um, weird, weird, yeah, and, weird choice. <laughs> and I, have a, I have a few thoughts. The first being, and I am not, I don't want to be, sound like somebody who's telling someone how to fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is like, I guess I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who has a childhood rooting interest when that team leaves town and then is now playing somewhere else i mean the raiders have a very strong brand that i would say transcends their geography to some degree uh, but you know it's like if i if i grew up in oakland or la cheering for the raiders are you still dreaming about the las vegas raiders a few years later right um, i would i would imagine that it's it's a little, a little bit less and again I, I guess i can't say that for sure it's probably though in my mind a little bit less about the the fandom uh, and more about 
the singular respect he'll get. He is going to be the star player. I would, I would imagine on the Las Vegas Raiders and, you know, he gets to try to fashion kind of, kind of some of the things you were just saying kind of gets to fashion his own, his own path now and reunite with the, with a college teammate of his at, at quarterback. So, uh, the, the last dance, except they traded Pippen and kept, uh, kept Jordan for the next year. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I guess like the first question off, off the top of my head is we've talked a lot about how the LaFleur system benefits any quarterback, which is sort of how we were preparing for life after Aaron Rodgers. that really a mid-level quarterback could thrive in this scenario. So now the question is, is the same true of receivers? Can, can you scheme open just, you know, just regular old receivers? Uh, and, and if you have an elite quarterback, does it really matter who's, who's catching the ball and everyone's going to point to the, the good record the Packers have without Devontae Adams. And I, I'm not even yet getting into the, is it better for Aaron Rodgers to have his his favorite option taken away from him? I think that's overstated personally, but I'd, I'd be curious your thoughts on if you think elite receiver is necessary for the system that they have developed here. I mean, Devontae's unique too. He's not like he a is. downfield He's threat. He's really weird. So, um, so I have way too many thoughts on this and I'm writing on it right now. And Short answer is, um, I don't think you need elite receivers, but I do think you need better receivers than you have right now. Like, you can get by with, I think, creating an elite offense with good receivers with Aaron, but um, they need to be something. Like, we've we've seen the Packers do this before with that Bill Schrader team, and it was not a good offense um, with with Brett. And, you know, Brett's not Aaron, but Brett's also a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's limits to what you can do with less good receivers. And yeah, you can scheme guys open to some extent, but part of scheming guys open for the Packers is guys following Devontae Adams and creating space for schemes to run into. Um, They were good at using their star receiver to free up those other guys. Uh, Alan Lazard, uh, I like him more than most people probably, and he's always a DVOA superstar, but part of the reason he's a DVOA superstar is because he's getting to the sticks uh, because he has single coverage with some crappy cornerback with Devontae taking people away. And if he's, if he's your number one, that's bad. If he, <laughs> um, if, if uh, he's trying to clear out space, slowly running downfield for Randall Cobb underneath, that's not a good offense. So they got to do some work here. They can't, they, they can't go into the, the, uh, the season with this. I mean, nothing they won't, they obviously just need to fill, fill space with bodies if nothing else. <laughs> Uh, but you can't just throw any old guy out there. You need some people with at least some skills. They don't have to be Devonte skills, but you need some people who can create some space in the secondary. And I actually think they might benefit a little bit if they could get sort of two good receivers to fill in for their one, you know, super elite receiver um, and make Aaron go through his progressions a little bit more and actually pick out the one that's open a little bit more. And I know that's what you were alluding to with maybe taking away his toy could be helpful. And I, I think it could, but you got to give him something like you, you have to give him something to work with. So I'll be interested of, to see what they do. A lot of names out there as potential trade targets. And I'm sure, you know, Brian Gutekunst was at Ohio State's pro day. Everyone is zeroing in on their receivers. And this is, of course, a team that famously has not drafted a first round receiver <laughs> uh, in quite some time, but has gotten a ton, a ton of production out of receivers drafted in the second round. So uh, they don't often go for the highlight real guy. And I think, history bears out that that is a risk to do. If you are hinging the success of this offense in terms of top receiver, if you're trying to get him as a first round guy, you know, it's, it is a major gamble. You really, it could, it could go any number of ways. A lot of names though, in terms of guys they could get that have NFL experience, Julio Jones, of course, at the top of it, get him. there's Will, Will Fuller, Devonte Parker. I mean, interesting to hear you say that getting two of them, I, I don't know if I can foresee the Packers being quite that, uh, quite that active, but 
yeah, it, it seems like Julio Jones would be would be the obvious, you know, the obvious replacement. Yeah. Just a guy who's a little bit further along in his career, but certainly somebody who, you know, obviously is a well-known NFL commodity as a, as a very talented receiver. Still pretty good, too. Um, he, he still puts up good efficiency numbers. It's really about staying on the field for Julio. Uh, but would fill in at least the deep MVS role quite well as long as he's out there. They should, they should honestly go get him. It's it's such an obvious fill in at this point. Um, MVS is still out there too, although it looks a lot like he's going to be a chief at this point. But um, oh, to replace Tyreek Hill, I, I've yeah. seen those tweets. That's that's a one for one, right? <laughs> Man, uh, Pro Football Focus loves Marquez Valdez Gantling more than anybody else in the world, and have been pimping him as like a secret sneaky good signing forever. But he is not a good fit. I mean, he's fast. He's good. He'd be a good chief. Like he can run deep and Pat throws a good deep ball, but man, he's, he's not a replacement for Tyreek Hill. That's just not a thing. But um, <laughs> Julio Jones is still very good and uh, would fill a nice niche. You could definitely work off his skill sets and then maybe go get uh, somebody in the, it opens up your versatility in the draft where you can still go get sort of um, uh, more of a slot guy. If you want, you can go get another outside guy. If you want, you can get a, a big, big in, uh, big and straight line or small and shifty guy because Julio can kind of do everything. He is, uh, you know, he's an all-time great. He's just old, and he, uh, when he's on the field, is still good. In limited role, he is exactly what the doctor ordered. They should definitely go get him. They should go after Fuller, too, uh, who also can't stay healthy and is a steroid user, but uh, he has the highest ceiling. He's led the league in DVOA when he was on steroids um, and is just a total burner and much, much better than MVS in that role. So they should try to get one of those two. They're both um, available, and there's no reason not to at least you know knock on the door a bit. What do you think about the deal itself? First round, second round, on the surface, seems about right. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't seem like a fleecing in any way, shape, or form. We're talking about the 22nd overall pick in the draft, so it's not uh, you know, not top 20, but close enough. I, I don't know. Um, I guess when I first heard it, I thought, yeah, it seems about right. More I thought about it, like, oh, maybe they could have gotten a little more out of that, but uh, I don't know. Give me give me your thoughts on so, the uh, return. Um uh, it's looking, I think, a little worse because the Tyreek Hill deal uh, on the surface appears to be better than what they got for Devante. Um, but just ignore that for a second. Uh, they did well here. Um, for one thing, you're not trading Devonte Adams uh, like on a on a deal on a marginal contract, like on his final year of his deal. They got to give him money. Like he was on the franchise tag. So um, whenever you trade for a player for the right to sign them to a market level deal you're kind of losing out on the deal. Uh, it, this is my criticism of the Khalil Mack deal that the Bears made, where um, Khalil Mack's awesome, no doubt about that, but you gave away both a bunch of draft picks and you signed him to a free agent contract. It, you know, that's just paying market rates for the substantial wins that you get, and that's kind of what the Raiders did with Adams here. They're, they have to pay him a ton of money to be on the team, and they, the Packers got back some very valuable draft capital. So I think they did pretty well here. Um, it's hard to get uh, super great value for guys that you have to pay. Now, dumb teams will do it. You got to find one. Uh, and Miami might be dumber than Oakland. That's fine. But yeah, this is a good return um, for a year of Devante. I mean, Devante, uh, if not for the franchise tag, could have just left for free. And um, getting a first in that scenario is good. Getting a first in a second, I think, is actually excellent. I think they did okay here. Cool. I um. I guess I guess we ultimately need to know how Aaron Rodgers is going to feel about this. Yeah, that's sort of the the great unspoken um, issue here because they do seem really tied at the hip, and uh, I wonder if he was consulted. I wonder if this is going to turn into another Jordan Love draft, you know, that kind of thing. 
And we have no idea. Haven't heard a peep out of the guy. So he's doing a Bitcoin seminar soon. Maybe he'll mention something there. <laughs> oh my gosh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's back <laughs> back together with Shailene as like, that that's you. Pretty sure that never ended. Oh man, there's so much. There's so much going on with our with our guy. Um as far as the idea now that they have freed up cap, freed up twenty million under the cap, <laughs> I'm a little confused, Paul, because I was under the impression, yeah, okay, they got under the cap, they did their job, and then twenty million of that went away. So now they got twenty million to spend on new people, and maybe that's a little overstating. You know, they got a like the Devondre Campbell deal got signed after the fact, so that's either additional or not additional, whatever. I I get lost in the math, but. Um, then you see Ken Ingles saying, well, it's not quite like that. No, they it didn't is. actually free anything up. <laughs> right. So I, I saw that Ken Ingles tweet and I'm like, I'm confused. I really feel like they have 20 million more to play with than we thought they did. So g- g- give me the lay of the land here. Do they have money to go after guys? All right. You're right. Ken is wrong. Ken's been a real dink lately, by the way. Just um, I think is starting to starting to get into the contrarian for the sake of clicks territory much more frequently than he used to. Um, but Yes, the fact of the matter is this. The Packers were willing to spend $20 million a year on Devontae Adams and um, you know, signaling that they're willing to spend $20 million this year to generate Adams-level production. So um, whether they used that $20 million or whatever they were willing to spend on Adams to bring in additional people this year or uh, you know, use it to fix their cap later in the year, or not later in the year, in, in subsequent seasons, they're going to at some point use that capital to buy players for wins. So um, it's just a matter of if they do it now or do it in the future. That's really it. So yeah, uh, their cap situation allowed them to bring Adams back. They were prepared to do it. And they can absolutely use that money to bring in other people now to replace the value they lost by Adams not being there. They absolutely freed up $20 million in cap space. That is what happened. By not having him, they have extra room and can sign extra guys. End of story. Ken is wrong. That's what I like. Okay. Uh, that That is comforting to me. Now, I love your rundown question here. Are they still good? Because that is a question that I had, certainly, in the aftermath of Thursday's deal. I, I thought to myself, okay, well, they were a Super Bowl favorite. You know, like, they were a team that a lot of people had money on as one of the top three teams to watch for the Super Bowl when we found out Aaron Rodgers was coming back. Then they traded away, I think, arguably their second best player. So, yeah. are they... Are, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like, unless... You know, we don't know the full picture of what the receiver room is going to look like here in a few, you know, in a few weeks or months. But uh, it sure feels like they took a major step backward in term of, terms of whether or not you think this is a Super Bowl team. Is that overstating it? No, it's not. I mean, we can we can assume they're going to replace the people they lost. But without Adams and MBS, that's uh, that's a lot to lose. I mean, uh, MBS is never my favorite, but he would have helped a lot to have against the 49ers. <laughs> Um, you know, at least they're they're missing something when they don't have a deep threat, and right now they don't have a deep threat or the the, the super Devonte Adams, you know, outside slot guy, short guy. Um, that's a lot to replace, and right now this this offense won't be good, no, no matter how good Aaron is. Uh, it's not going to be a good offense with with the wide receiver room as it currently is. It's it's just not going to happen. So, um, their defense might still be okay. Um, though I think there's some questions there, um, but they they need to fix this. This is a giant gaping hole that you cannot uh, just ignore. You 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 need to do some serious work in the draft. And if they go into the draft without signing any veteran help, 
that I think is a mistake. Uh, relying on rookies to provide immediate production at the receiver position is foolhardy. It happens once in a while. Jamar Chase, super good. Um, but but uh, Justin Jefferson, he did that right away. But it's th- that's rare. Um, usually guys struggle for a couple of years. So, yeah, they're not good right now. They're absolutely not good right now. All right, so Julio Jones, do you think that happens? I mean, that's that's the that's the one guy I think everybody hopes Packers fans hope they get. Is is that likely or or why unlikely? I don't know. Um, there was some noise today about them inquiring with the Seahawks on DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Yes, so they're out there doing their due diligence, um, and I don't have a good sense on this front office as to how well they keep secrets. Like, I feel like the Brewers are great at keeping things under wraps until totally. stuff breaks. And the, the, it's not like the Packers are out there doing stuff. That I mean, they've signed more people lately. Um, I feel like those were all kind of surprises when they happened. So I'm not sure we'll know. Well, uh, the Adams deal caught everyone off guard. Exactly. I mean, that's, a, <laughs> that's an awful big trade to keep quiet. Yes. Um, so I suspect they're out there looking at everybody. And, you know, they have a type. And um, it's not like they brought in a ton of veterans. But Julio Jones is their type. Um, they do like... Not that he's going to be out there blocking on the edge, but they like their big guys, um, and I do think he'd fit. So, and I think he would also make Aaron happy to have Julio Jones. I think that would be uh, a, a nice piece to give him. So, I would give it actually like halfway decent odds of happening. Like, I think they'll be in on him, and I think that there's like like a twenty twenty five percent chance that actually does come to fruition. It's just so obvious they got to get somebody. <laughs> and I, I think where I to go back to the idea of taking away Aaron's primary target. <clears throat> I feel like that's not necessarily just Devontae Adams. I mean, the way he operates in, in terms of avoiding interceptions, it's not just one target. He'll he'll have, you know, he'll have his favorite one or two or three guys on every team he plays for. So if Julio Jones comes in and they develop that chemistry, it's going to be Julio Jones. It's like Devontae Adams. He's still going to potentially look there first in, in almost every situation with the game on the line. So I don't think that's necessarily going, we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers suddenly spreading it out to six different guys every game for three <laughs> catches a piece. Right. I mean, I feel like that th- that wasn't necessarily a Devontae problem. It was a, you know, it's more, it's more how Aaron Rodgers operates. So, I mean, I, of course I'd love to see them add Julio Jones. That's great. Uh, I just don't think we can imagine that Aaron Rodgers is going to be suddenly unlocked somehow through some mystical, well, Devante has gone. So Rodgers has to be better sort of thing. Probably not. But I do think part of it was that um, he leaned on Devante so much, but the other part of it was the other receivers were so much worse than Devante. And I do think yeah. he might spread it around a little bit more. If you had a little bit more even distribution in receiver talent, it's one of the reasons I like to see him go get two guys. Um, I like to see that uh, a little bit more evened out so that he couldn't lean on one guy all the time so that he was sort of forced to pick out um, who was actually uh, open on any given play. <laughs> and I'd love to see them just never run a smoke screen or a bubble screen again. And so uh, <laughs> if they can get a couple more downfield guys, I think that that would actually do some good. Um, in part of De- the Devante piece I'm doing, I was looking at just sort of the splits between uh, DYAR and DVOA, sort of the accumulation stats and the efficiency stat. And teams that win the Super Bowl, their their lead receiver tend to be very close there. Um, Cooper Cup last year, for instance, he was first in DYAR. He led the league in efficiency yards, and he was third in DVOA. Devontae is always like a 10-unit uh, 10, uh, 10 split there. He was second in DYAR and 12th in DVOA, and that's always how he is. But uh, the best offenses, have uh, their guy is usually really, really close in both of those. He's catching a ton of passes and being super efficient. And uh, I do think all those Devontae garbage plays 
hurt. And I'd like to see them excised from the playbook, either through personnel um, or for through just Matt telling him not to do that anymore. And without Devante, it's easier to say that. It's hard to say, don't throw it to Devante uh, on the line because you can always make the case like, no, that's your best play. Like all the other receivers suck. He's got a five-yard cushion. Let's see what he can do. Um, if Devontae's not there, you know, if it's Julio, who is better at running deep routes, and Will Fuller, who's better at running deep routes, that play doesn't look as good. So I would like to see that. I think that would be helpful. Hmm. Okay. All right. So th- that wasn't the only move in Packers land. Is there more we want to mention on Devontae before we move on? I don't think so. That That's that's Devontae. Right. Sad he's gone. Going to be hard to fix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. Um, okay. Zadarius Smith is a Minnesota Viking. His departure, I think, was something everyone kind of forecast. I don't know if anybody really thought Zadarius Smith would be back under any scenario. He was definitely a cap casualty, but maybe one that the team, maybe a move the team makes anyway, regardless. Uh, He ends up reneging on a deal with the Baltimore Ravens to go back to the team he came from to sign with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The way Zadarius operates wouldn't rule out that he saw the opportunity to maybe stick it to his old team, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to think of it like that. I think he's such a fun player. I don't want to think of him as putting <laughs> vengeance first, uh, but uh, he's certainly going to be something the Packers have to deal with. Also, I guess, personally speaking, not super worried. You know, I feel like they probably got the best years out of Zadarius Smith that they possibly could have at his stage in the career. Missed all of last year. Hard to really know what he's going to be the next year. So I'm not personally that worried about it, but it'll be a bummer to see him line up across from him next year. Yeah, it will. Um, but I I do agree with you. But I do think there's a little Martellus Bennett in there, and I would not be surprised if he was back for at least partial revenge. But he definitely he definitely operates um, in his own way, and you, you never want to predict what Zedarius is going to do. Um, but he does give the Vikings two edges with bad backs, and that's not a good spot to be. And Daniel Hunter also has a bad back, and uh, if they do get to play against him, I'll be actually a little bit surprised because I don't I don't think that he is. Uh, going to be out there all the time that would be my I think wager. he's back to a third down guy only I do um and I think that he is very likely to get injured after um after not playing for like the whole season and then coming in for one game and um I, I feel like skipping seasons is a good way to get yourself hurt so we'll see sure but sure. uh it's fine right. he's old I don't mind <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of guys come back uh Preston Smith Razul Douglas Devondre Campbell they, they all deserve to be mentioned separately i suppose but but together i i guess you know like i, I want to be excited about those guys but like campbell and douglas in particular are, are, you know the track record just isn't really there they had amazing years last year no question no questions asked i thought somebody else would be responsible for the price tag that came with their excellent season and that maybe the the packers wouldn't have to take that gamble that they're going to be able to sustain that for the next three four years and then same similarly but not quite the same with preston smith he does have a longer track record of success but plays better in years where his contract is up better when he's a mercenary yes so um it's so they they, the defense is weird like they they were good last year i think we all agree they were good but they weren't like statistically that great they they lacked some efficiency and there's some weaknesses there and also uh, hanging over all of this i I still think we're waiting for the the uh uh jair alexander shoe to drop a little bit sure and and given what happened with adams i think um, there's at least a little concern that it hasn't happened yet. So uh, I think he'll be back. I don't think he won't be back. But until he is, th- these don't matter that much. Um, if you if you don't have him, it's a lot worse. Um, so there's that too. But it's good to have them all back and build off of what they did last year. And if they're going to have 
some offensive struggles, they can't have a bad defense. They need the defense to step up. One of the one of the reasons to be optimistic about the defense next year, and if if you're a wagering person, something to keep very much in mind is, um, we'll we'll often say on this podcast and in writing that defense it fluctuates more from year to year. It's it's less stable. Um, one of the big reasons for that is because it's very dependent on the quality of quarterbacks that you face every year, and the quality of quarterbacks in the NFC now is just atrocious. It is mm-hmm. very bad. Now, the Packers do have some good AFC teams on their schedule for next year. That That is going to happen. They actually do face the Raiders next year, I believe, so they'll get to face Devontae at some point. Um, but it's it's a train wreck. Like it's It's awful. So this defense might show up pretty big just based on dominating the heck out of their own conference. And uh, I think that that's actually something you can kind of take to the bank a little bit as long as they get everybody back. And then it's a matter of fixing offense then. Campbell in particular, it was so refreshing to have a talented player at the middle linebacker position. But then there's also the question, and we've raised it here on the podcast, of how how important is that? You know, it's like having the best, uh, you know, the best punter (laughs) or the best, uh, (laughs) you know, in some some cases, there's other positions on the field too. But for the most part, the great teams don't need dominant middle linebackers. They've existed over time, but as the game has changed, you know, it's, it's, it isn't, it isn't as obvious as maybe people make it out to be that, that Campbell was a, was that much of a difference maker. You know, he was he's yeah. better than what they've had before unquestionably, but do you commit resources to a middle linebacker of any variety? You know, that's uh yeah, go ahead. I think I'm out on the football saber metric ripping of middle linebackers at this point. I, I think it's sort of like, um, an average it's, it's like uh, on on average you don't really need this guy and that's fine until you run into like the 49 the Kaepernick 49ers or the um the Debo um and uh who's Raheem Mostert 49ers or some other team that can just victimize you in the middle of the field all day long uh Russell Wilson in his prime like they got burned by that so much uh, and if you look at like the Buccaneers, who have awesome middle linebacker play, and it seems to cement their defense. Uh, like uh, I understand there may be more of these guys out there draft wise. They might be cheaper, um, you know, free agency wise. More guys might be able to play. Kind of kind of like second base in baseball, but that doesn't mean you can have a shitty second baseman. It it just doesn't. Like you you still need quality at that position because in football fundamentally the offense can decide what they're going to do and where they're going to pick on. And uh, the pre- the Packers just got picked to death at middle linebacker for like a decade, and it sucked, and it cost them probably a Super Bowl in, in against the Seahawks at least once, and maybe against the 49ers at least once. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad to have him. He's very good. I think he's probably worth it. Uh, and they're gonna face some major rushing this year, so uh, even more so. Um, Devondre Campbell's good. He earned his money, and. Uh, My opinion on defense now is basically everybody's got to be at least okay. And if you have anybody who sucks, that's where the ball will go over and over and over again. And uh, so that's the problem. All right. And now the last uh, addition, Jaron Reed, which I like for two reasons. One, I love fat people, as you know. You got that going here. Two, now with Jair Alexander, there are two people on the defense whose names sound roughly like JR. (laughs) God damn it. I'm going to say JR every time I say this name. Yes, yes, Jaron Reed. Uh, he is a defensive end. He's been uh, he's been around the block a little bit. Um, played with played with Seattle with some good teams. So uh, I guess that's something. But uh, it sounds like 
it sounds like he's okay. Maybe maybe not like a, a world changer, but I know Kenny Clark's excited. So uh, so what is your evaluation of uh, of the newest Green Bay Packer? Uh, football wise, he he's pretty good, and and he spent his entire career with uh, Seattle with one year at Kansas City last year. Um, he is a good pass rusher um, for the spot he plays, uh, kind of like Kenny Clark. He has a 10, 10 and a half sack season under his belt. Um, he had another six and a half sack season a couple of years ago, and he is a load. He is good in run defense. Um, some of his pressure stats aren't quite as good as his sack stats, although he gets a lot of quarterback hits, and so I think his, his peripheral stats are kind of a mess. But I think next to Kenny Clark, with uh, him taking essentially double teams, that he'll be he'll be very effective. You'll see. I mean, Dean Lowry had this happen last year where he was effective because Kenny had a full healthy season. Their their down line is going to be really really formidable. I think he is an asset. So um, as a pure football addition, I think it is a savvy signing and and it'll it'll pay off for him. Um, I like that part of it. Unfortunately, he he does have some history so um, that I don't like. He. he he was suspended in 2017 uh, as part of a, a, a domestic assault, uh, assaulting a woman. He had a six-game suspension. He didn't appeal it, which either you can read that as uh, admitting he was wrong and expressing some contrition or um, it being so obvious that you couldn't possibly appeal it. But it's never good to see that kind of thing. Um, I don't like it when we have sort of bad guys on the Packers. It was a long time ago. But uh, it's going to be mentioned, so everybody listening should know about it. Yeah, that uh, you know, we don't. The Packers don't often traffic in those guys. Um, they they have, of course. They have. You know, Andre, everybody. Andre has. Risen was a big part. Yeah, it's not. I'm not saying that they have like uh, they're more altruistic than other organizations. Nope. But uh, it has been a while since. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess Latroy Guyon maybe fits that oh, yeah. fits that description a little bit. But uh, but yeah, this is, it'll be interesting to see how much that comes up here when uh, with the new team. Uh, okay, so and just across the NFL, it's been uh, it's been wild. Uh, Matt Ryan plays for the Indianapolis Colts. Tyreek Hill, <laughs> as of as of this recording, is now a Miami Dolphin. Carson Wentz is a Washington Commander. commander. <laughs> uh, Mitch Trubisky is the starting NFL quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the great franchises in the National Football League. Uh, that might be the thing that I. I, I I just can't even see that <laughs> happening. I can't even picture it. So uh, so this is uh, this has been a wild off season. I don't I don't know if there's a factor or two you can point to to suggest uh, why, other than quarterback play is just you know everyone's desperate to to have a good situation. But uh, man, it's uh, I can't say I'm surprised to see like Carson Wentz on the move, for example. But uh, I, yeah. I I sure didn't see Tyreek Hill going anywhere. Or no, Ryan. that was that was a weird one. And Hill was definitely a cascade from the Hopkins signing to become super high paid along with Adams so uh, surprising but whatever the, I thought the Matt Ryan one was really surprising um, and kind of fallout from uh, the Deshaun Watson signing with the Browns um, and I think the Colts thought that maybe they'd be in on that um, the Falcons I think thought they'd be in on that and they, the Falcons definitely thought they'd be in on that and it tarnished the, the relationship with Ryan which made him available with no backup plan. There's no quarterback in Atlanta right now. Oh, that's not true. They signed Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota is there. <laughs> um, uh, Justice Mosqueda favorite Marcus Mariota is there. Um, that should actually be pretty fun. Um, but I, I, I'll i tell you, one one thing that has caused at least some of this is the, the COVID salary cap contraction um, and everybody giving out deals 
um, before we knew that the salary cap would go down and now having to deal with some of the consequences of that um, has made more people available. But just with the quarterbacks, that's just wacky. That's just crazy. I mean, Russell Wilson's on a different team. It's just nuts. And uh, this is just happens to be a weird year where a lot of quarterbacks left and a lot of quarterbacks hit the end of their contracts and uh, decided they didn't want to go back and uh, everything reshuffled. So a coincidence, uh, mostly uh, salary cap a little bit, but at least it's fun. Can't say that. Uh, very exciting offseason for the NFL. And uh, I, I don't know who's good or bad anymore. There's been too much movement. Other than the NFC is just bad generally. <laughs> the NFC is bad. That's what's bad. Um, which I, is good I, I also think, I think all that made Tom Brady come back. I, I think I think Brady came back. Uh, uh, he does hate retirement, I think. That's part of it. But I think he also just saw the NFC as like, well, that sucks. I can win that um, without too much trouble. And he's probably right. So it also brought him back, I think, all this stuff happening. Yeah, maybe. I mean, outside of the Russell Wilson trade for a team that was not a huge threat to begin with, um, I think the <laughs> NFC was kind of headed this direction. I think Tom Brady just got retired and decided, nope, nope, that ain't it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had taken plane rides to Florida with my kids by myself. <laughs> Screw that. I'm going to go play some more football. Um, you know, Matt Ryan, 2016 MVP, has not made a Pro Bowl since then, and Pro Bowl's I mean, you know what to do with those, but I mean, Kirk Cousins just made a Pro Bowl in a really bad year. It's not hard to be a quarterback and get a spot on the Pro Bowl roster if you are if you are anything. No, it's not. He signed that just exorbitant contract in 2018. The Falcons have not won more than seven games since that deal. And, uh, you know, Matt Ryan ain't it. And he's 36 years old. And like, that's an example of. He's sort of an example, just looking at the Packers, how they've been able to continue to make this work with an aging quarterback who's obviously better than Matt Ryan, but like still to to maintain the team around him and to maintain this level of dominance. I mean, for a while, the Falcons were obviously they were a Super Bowl contender and, yep. and then they just fell off a cliff. So it's it's kind of an interesting comparison. Like, it's amazing that the Packers have not slipped into what happened to a team like the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And, you know, I. The big change with Matt Ryan's career, of course, is losing Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. And Mm -hmm. uh, the Atlanta coaching staff kept the wrong people in power. Uh, That's become very obvious uh, since their their nice run there. Uh, I actually kind of like Ryan to bounce back. I I will say, I don't like tall quarterbacks, especially for longevity. And and he is basically the best tall quarterback of all time. Uh, Everybody else who's tall kind of sucks. And I don't think they age particularly well. But I also like where he's going. I think the Colts are a good place for sort of lackluster quarterbacks to go. I think that they run a good quarterback-friendly scheme. And if he had sort of a similar to Philip Rivers' final season with them, I wouldn't be that surprised, which it was which was a good season. And Ryan's, his gun is still there more than Phillips is. So I think he, he might have a decent bounce back. That division is terrible. The conference is good, but the division is terrible. So um, I think the Colts you know keeping their window open here a little bit did an okay job i'm not sure they had super bowl contenders um but uh atlanta's a mess that's that's a bad franchise don't want to go anywhere near that thing i gotta push back philip rivers you just mentioned him six five matt ryan six four so the best of the tall quarterbacks i'm okay is- i thought i actually thought matt ryan was taller than that so i might just be wrong about that i thought he was like six six or six seven uh, I don't think so, but okay. it is it is funny because you hear a lot of pushback against short quarterbacks for understandable, obvious reasons. You know, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, notwithstanding, uh, you do it does seem like you kind of have to fit into that like very specific window yeah. of like six one to six three. That's so you're right. Matt Ryan six four. I thought he was taller than that, so I retract my. Well, that's he's listed at six four. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> 
Um, I, don't, okay, let's... I don't think I have a Raz card from Matt and Ryan, so we'll we'll never know for sure. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to questions. Unless there's anything else you want to throw in, uh, I, I did want to mention really really quick that um, I do think because the uh, the Jaguars are just stupid franchise that they should also inquire about Lavisca Chenault, who I don't like as a player, but uh, is sort of the Debo Samuel mold and makes no money, and they have like four guys playing his position ahead of him now. Uh, somebody should go rescue him from Jacksonville, and the Packers should be one of them. So that that too okay. meant to mention it earlier. You have convinced me, given the way the Packers are able to work sort of uh, under the cover of darkness and and what you laid out here. I think the Packers are going to get two receivers. I think they're going to trade for one and they're going to sign one. And it might not be Julio Jones. In fact, I, don't, I bet it's not Julio Jones. But uh, I, I suddenly have good vibes that there's going to be a couple names here over the next couple weeks before the draft that uh, that that will add to that room. And then maybe they even draft one. They've got they got a couple picks now in the first round. Maybe, maybe it is uh, Chris Olave or... I can't think of the other, the other Ohio State receiver. <laughs> I, I think, think the higher rated one. Um, uh, Garrett uh, Butler. Garrett Butler. Uh, that, that's not it. That's not right. Um, I, I don't. I don't like that guy as much, so I erased him from my brain. But I do like Olave, oh, wow. and I think there's a chance that they, that he, he falls to them. Um, okay. So I, I hope that happens. That would make me happy. Um, All right. Let's do some questions, shall we? Let's do it. We'll start with our Patreon questions, as we always do. Mark Pudscarby says the Packers are seven and zero. Under LaFleur, when Adams doesn't play, is that a product of flukiness or is there something we can read into that? Also, do the Packers now have the best cornerback trio in the NFL? So we kind of touched on the first part about whether or not taking away Aaron Rodgers' favorite toy actually is a benefit yeah. or not. The answer is kind of, maybe. I think if you have everybody working and healthy except for him, probably yes. You can scheme that. If, if you have Lazard and MVS and like healthy Cobb and healthy Robert Tunyon and healthy Jones and Dylan, you can make that work. That, that'll work, but that's not what they have. So that's the problem. So short answers. Yeah. Um, it's not a coincidence. The scheme is good. And if you have decent players with specific receiving skills that you can plug in, you can make it work and it's not a fluke, but the problem right now is they don't have any of that. Like they, they need actual good bodies to make the scheme work and th that's their problem but but yeah. th those are a good sign that the scheme does work with lesser players you just need to find non-terrible players to plug in and by the way that was garrett wilson of ohio state and um, oh yes okay i i, I should re he actually is a, a a higher rops guy than i thought so i would be okay with that too Okay, so as far as the best cornerback trio in the NFL, I couldn't, I can't even oh. begin to tell you what else is going on in the NFL right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might be. Um, I, I like the. I know the Rams have a good one now. Um, they added somebody I can't remember who. Um, but I also don't like Jalen Ramsey that much. Um, I, I think that they certainly have like one of the five best trios, and I think you can make a good argument that they do have the best when Alexander's healthy. Uh, I think Stokes, uh, with a year under his belt, will be dynamite outside. I, I, I'm a little skeptical on Douglas repeating. We'll see. Um, I especially am skeptical of guys who derive a lot of value from interceptions, although I think he was good anyway. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But Alexander plus Stokes plus if Douglas is like 80% of what he was, that's pretty darn good. So, yeah. yeah. PJ Wessels asks, besides Devontae, which moves surprised you the most? Oh, man, there were so many of them. Um, I think the Tyreek Hill one, actually, that came out of left field, just out of nowhere. There was no indication he was unhappy. And then today it was, oh, Tyreek, Tyreek Hill's unhappy and exploring a trade. Oh, Tyreek Hill's been traded. <laughs> yeah, I know. It moves very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's very hard to replace. He's uh, like Devontae, very important to the Chiefs. They're much worse without him. Um, and, and I think that is probably the next surprising. Uh, everything else was, a I think, at least a little bit 
foreseeable. Like Carson Wentz moves a lot. Um, Matt Ryan, once the Watson thing kind of broke, um, it looked like he was probably going to be on the outs. But the Hill thing was just out of nowhere. So I, I'll go with that. That was crazy. What about on the Packers front? I, I am surprised oh. they brought back Razul Douglas. Uh, I mean, uh, other than I, I guess I'm surprised they brought back Razul and Campbell. I thought they would let one of those two go. Um, I'm surprised. Actually, I think Preston is, is maybe what I'm most surprised at because I, I was just assuming that they got his mercenary year and that they would move on. And you know, he's a little older too. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you can count on him being super good again coming back. He's kind of flaky seeming. So I'm surprised that they brought him back. I thought he was an easy cut, let go, save money. And uh, I'm surprised he's back on the team. All right. Flaley Joel Osment asks, who is your top <laughs> under the radar free agent that the Packers should target? Can Paul explain what actually happens when a team is over the cap when the season starts? Uh, um, un- under the radar free agent is a little tough because most of them have been signed at this point. Uh, there is not a lot of good options at receiver anymore or any other position really um and we talked about julio and fuller and every, I, I like i ran numbers against everybody else and it's brutal um jared dropped earlier that uh they should that Deva- I, that i mentioned Devonte parker in the rundown um he is a miami receiver with he no longer has a spot without where with with hill there um he is actually secretly good so uh he's not a free agent but Devontae Parker is a secretly good receiver that they should try and go get. Um, that would be the best thing that they could do in terms of off-the-radar stuff. And as far as over the cap, I, I mean, I think it, the league just doesn't let transactions go through that puts them over the cap. That's really what it comes down to, yes. Uh, and I believe... so. I, penalties for over the cap, it just doesn't really happen. Like They stop allowing transactions. I think the only way you could really get over the cap is through some sort of unforeseen bonuses... But I don't think that there are any of those types of bonuses that hit until after the season is over. Things like all-pro bonuses and whatnot. Preseason, you're just looking at roster bonuses. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a stupid, like, he has to show up for three practices bonus for $50,000. So this is all accounted for. And yeah, if you're going to be over the camp, the NFL won't let you do anything. So that's what it fundamentally comes down to. Like, if some team went and signed, like, a guy for like uh, like 20 million over the cap and just ignored the NFL they would just void it they would just declare him a free agent and it would not happen all right Brett Smith asks are you guys excited as I am for the first round trade back the trade back gift trade back. let's get it get it going trade. uh really though do you guys think it's more likely we trade back or trade up in the draft and correct me if I'm wrong but I would see this as more likely a trade up because you don't have a crystal clear hierarchy of who's gonna get taken in the first round you have like you have you know, a couple guys that are at the very, very top, and then it's it, it seems like it's pretty jumbled from there. So it feels like if the Packers zoom in on a guy, it, no really idea of where they might fall in the draft. They might, you know, certainly fall to them at 22 or whatever, but it seems like there's more, there's so much uncertainty that you're not going to get people backing out. It's more like there's a lot of depth here, just not a lot of clear-cut, yeah. you know, studs in the top 10 picks. Yeah, if I'm a GM here, I'd trade back a ton because... Oh, this so is, the exact opposite. No, 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 no. You're right. I'll get to that. If I'm GM, I trade back a ton because I. Um, th- this is not a top-heavy draft. This is a depth draft, and it's kind of just a crappy draft, at least at the positions I care about. Um, I know that there's a lot of good pass rushers, a lot of good defensive players, um, some good offensive linemen, but receivers and quarterbacks, uh, not that we need one of those, but quarterbacks in particular are are not good in this draft. They're very bad. 
Um, and so I would just take the depth and go and draft a whole bunch of guys and hope you hit on them. However, I think they're likely to trade up. And I think the reason is because they do need to get impact players at some positions very quickly, especially receiver. Um, I think if they do identify a guy that they really like, like I think if Olave is close to them, that they will trade up and go get him. That would be my my scenario where I think it's very likely. I think they'll trade up. I think they when they have sort of extra picks, it's what they do. And I think that they'll trade up here kind of address this but uh a name I, I don't recognize i think this is a first time patreon question asker alex malika or yeah. maklika i don't either i would i would bet it's malika but i don't know for sure if you were goody knowing the free agents remaining in the strengths weaknesses of this draft class how would you utilize that freed up cap space post uh Devontae adams trade what position would sign would you sign a free agent versus prioritize in the draft and and obviously receivers is a top of mind for all of this and yeah. like we're saying it would be better to get a veteran as opposed to drafting, but you know that might not be available to them. When yeah, I mean, I would make sure that I'm not counting on the draft to make or break my receiving room, and I would get at least one player for that purpose. Like, I think you kind of have to. Um, they need a tight end too. Uh, right now, that they needed one last year too, but they, this is still a need. Like Tanya, and they resigned, and hopefully he's okay. But his his good season was pretty fluky, and now coming off an injury, I don't think you can count on that. I think this is actually a, a sneaky good tight end draft. The only problem with tight ends is they're almost never good in their first season. Uh, it happened last year, yes, with a generational talent. There may be a generational talent in this draft as well. Um, Jelani Woods, uh, I believe, scored a 10 on the rest today at his pro day. Um, so maybe. Um, but uh, they need they need a tight end, too. There's not any good free agent ones, so that's a, a, a draft spot focus. Um but that's really, I mean, the big hole is there. You can always use cornerbacks. You can never have too many of them. They could use another edge rusher, like it's Preston and Gary, and after that it's a little a little weak. So that, I think, will be a priority to draft as well. It's not something you can sign. But uh, I won't be surprised if they maybe sign one more like depth corner um, or sa- safety. Uh, we'll get to safety in a second, but Henry Black would be the other big liability, especially with Darnell Savage not being a sure thing at safety. And um, if... I do think you can sometimes find decent safeties after cuts are made. Um, you can always convert, not always, but sometimes convert corners to that position. But uh, it's going to be safety, edge, and receiver in draft or in free agency. I think you can get safety more in free agency if you need to. But uh, that's it. That's what you're looking for. They're totally drafting a cornerback. They will, um, just to piss us all off. <laughs> no, Actually, it's like, done deal. Yep. Justin Sayan asks, in using the franchise tag, is using the franchise tag uh, as a way to trade players actually a really smart strategy? And then I really like this question. Was this Goody's plan all along this <laughs> offseason to tag and trade Devontae Adams? And I think that is a really good question. Yeah. I, I I don't know. It'd be nice. To, it'd be interesting to know. I mean, it is smart. It, it would be, I think, better if you had Devontae on the team. So I don't think it was his plan all along. By all accounts, they offered him a very good contract. But yeah, um, if you... If you have a player who is worthy of the franchise tag, this is a good way to get additional value for them. The, the problem is, fundamentally, that there are very few guys that are worth the franchise tag. And uh, it, it's it's harder to trade a guy when um, he is being overpaid for his position based on the franchise tag. So um, there's that. You can't just throw... If you don't find a partner, then you have to pay it. And it's top five of the position. So... Um, it, it's smart if you can do it, and they got good value for Adams. They, I, I do believe that. I don't think it was the plan all along, though. I think it was a fallback plan, and I, I, I wonder how much they even expected to have to do that. I, I think they assumed he was coming back. 
Um, but you know, it, it's always a possibility whenever you franchise tag a guy because players hate the franchise tag. So there you go. Yeah. Moving to Twitter questions, we start with Jonathan Deal. Regardless of team need or the position, who is your run the card up immediately if he falls to the Packers in this draft class and does this class even have one? Also, would you package the first two round picks to move up or use one of them to move back? And why? We kind of talked about uh, we kind of talked about trading up, trading back. But okay, you've got it's twenty two on the clock. Who who's uh, who's the guy that you really hope is at that spot, Paul? Um, this I think will be a little bit of a wacky draft because I don't think there are a consensus um, amongst really any position. I think anybody like number one has been assumed to uh, be Aiden Hutchinson kind of by everybody. I wouldn't even be surprised if that doesn't happen. I think he's a great prospect, but not, not that great. Um, the one for me would be George Karloftis, who I have heard Acme Packing Company talking up in Slack forever and ever and ever now, uh, who is uh, a Purdue um defense uh, edge rusher they need edge rushers he, he is projected to go between when they pick and 10th if you fell to them you should run up your card and get him right away so um, that would be mine and I think it's a, a plausible not likely but at least especially if they trade up like at least something that might possibly happen um, everybody else I like in this draft I'm overrating a lot and, and will be available much later. So like I like Christian Watson um, much better than everybody else does. I like a bunch of guys who like aren't on the draft board. Like I like Samari Toure out of Nebraska, who is like a UDFA project project. Um, I'd be happy with Olave too. I do think he's really good. Um, I wouldn't run the card up though. I would just walk it up like normal. Yeah. I'm trying to even look for a name because obviously my standards have absolutely more to do with alliteration and the Jerry Judy of it all than, uh, than anything. I can't even find a name that I really, really want, you know, like Nicobe Dean is kind of cool, but, yeah. and, and he's a guy that I thought was being looked at as top five at one point. And maybe I'm, maybe I misremember that, but, uh, he's sort of fallen down the board. I don't know. They're going to draft like Kenny Pickett or Matt Coral. I, it's, it's just, it's going to be something nobody, nobody saw coming. I mean, I guess Daniel Falale is pretty cool. That's good. Um, That's a good name. Yeah. I mean, he's 384 pounds. So like, obviously, obviously I love the man, yes. but, uh, but yeah, like Jaquan Brisker who uh, toasted, uh, toasted Wisconsin. It makes me think of brisket. Um, there's a, there's a possibility there, but he's a yeah. safety. So I they, they do so. need it. I think they could use a safety, I don't, but not as a high pick. That would right. be weird. Right. Um, all right. So going to Scott Hartle with the draft, supposedly good at corner and Amos and Savage each having one year left. Could the Packers take one high with the plan to remove Razul to safety? So back to cornerback. Hey, they could actually do that. You know, move Rasul Douglas to safety, which, uh, I don't. I don't know if you sign Rasul Douglas with yeah. the expectation that you want to flip him to safety, but I, I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, maybe like a slot safety kind of. But um, I get the question because I do think that Rasul Douglas has a lot of safety qualities about him. Um, he is rangy. He is a a gambler on interceptions, and he is a pretty big hitter. So uh, I, I get it, but I do think that they count on playing him at corner. And if they do try to move on at safety, get, get a natural safety. Uh, I feel like you don't move a guy who's still in his prime to safety. If he's a cornerback, you get more value at cornerback and uh, it's something you do. And then you start to age and do it a little bit and uh, can use the savvy and your speed's not quite as important. So they could, I don't think they will though. That would be very unusual. Uh, text Western with a flawless hey, question. Text. What's the, what's the <laughs> earliest? <laughs> What is the earliest that you would be okay with the Packers drafting the punt god? Uh, I could say, for to be clear, if, if they do not draft the punt god and he is on the board with that fifth-round pick, we're talking about Matareza of, of San Diego State, yep. I will be extraordinarily disappointed. They don't have a punter. 
They need no, the punt they, guy. They, they ha- now have room for him. They have a punter. No, they don't. Yeah, not, they- not one that we know. <laughs> not one who's as cool as the punt guy. Let's do well, that. Well, yeah, okay. They, but they just signed. The, the problem is they signed a punter to actual money, which was annoying, that being Pat mm. O'Donnell. Um, but that, they should try and still draft the punt god. So, um, so, so I think he's much better than um, uh, when you draft a punter, you get made fun of. I think he's like the best punter ever, and so I think he's actually. So does everyone? Yeah, um, I think that means something. It's not just like um, you know a, a good punter. It's like uh, a, a much more valuable than your average punter, and so I think. The earliest I would, man, if he was there with my last third round pick, I think I might do it, depending on who else was on the board. But and I think they only have they only have one third round. They got the two fourths. The right two now. fourths, two, yeah. Two seconds, a third, and two fourths. But the question was, what's the earliest I would possibly do it? And I think I yeah. would spend a, a third rounder on it, depending on who else was there. Um, I, I know I believe Texas answers with the compensatory fourth round pick, which is that makes a lot of sense. That's probably a smarter time to take him, but. Uh, I like him a lot. I, I could even see trying to turn him into a two-way player because he also kicks field goals there. Um, he was not great at it his last season, but he was great at it his first season. He is nails on extra points. Um, and, <laughs> and he's an, just an unbelievably good punter. So I want him on my team. I would spend a far... This is why I'm not a GM. I, I normally would never draft a punter. I would make an exception here. Why do you think, uh, by the way, it would be awesome if he's a top 100 guy. That third round pick is a 90, I think, 92nd yep. overall. Uh, that'd be amazing. Why do you think more teams haven't made a shot at the two-way player, uh, punter, kicker? Because you save a roster spot. You know, in the Packers, like, let's say they didn't just sign Pat O'Donnell, which is a major buzzkill. But, it, you know, you've got Mason Crosby aging probably, maybe, his last year in Green Bay is coming up. Um, why not have somebody that can do both on on the roster and save the spot? Why, why are teams averse to that? Well, I don't think a lot of guys do it, and uh, they are two separate skills. They're two different kinds of kicking. That said, you're not doing a lot at practice when you're the punter and the kicker, you know? Um, and I don't see why you wouldn't just spend time in your formative. Honing both. Yeah, honing both. So um, I think it's a great way to add value, and um, maybe this will kick off that kind of thing, because if you can save a roster spot, you're worth a lot. Um, and if you can kick field goals and punt, you're worth a lot. It's probably more likely to be a nails field goal kicker who works on punting and can sort of bang it good enough. That's right. kind of how I would see that coming. Uh, right. Before his, before this season, I think it was at least a possibility, but he only hit he had under 70% of his field goals this year, which was kind of a bummer. I think he needed to get that. But uh, I, I still think he could turn it around. And with that big leg, like it's just a matter of a little bit of technique, I think. So. Um, more people should do it. I would love to see more people who do both. That'd be great, but uh, not in the immediate future. The Shohei Otane of special teams. Yeah, bring, bring it to football. Let's go. Uh, PJ's Javon Carter stand account. I'm I'm a little confused at what this is. So it, it's maybe a, you can it's not me. a question. It's an observation. Um, so this is his he, his all time favorite JR Paul interaction on Patreon questions. Okay. So uh, he's pointing out a, a previous conversation that we had. I don't actually remember this, but I, I, I trust him uh, where I said this one is from Danny Noonan. That's your brother. Yes. If people don't know that somehow. You you respond with, yeah, uh, JR, yeah. JR, me saying, should I read it? And you saying, are you sighing? Saying he paid. He paid. He paid. He is a Patreon, Danny Noonan. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to That's Danny it. Noonan. <laughs> uh, uh, Devlin Sheehan, after re-signing Campbell and Zool, 
There is only Zool. Some fans are leaning into the idea of the Packers becoming a defense first team. Analytics tells us offense drives wins more than defense and defensive rankings are less stable year to year. Do you buy defense first is a good idea for the pack. You did kind of touch yeah. on this earlier. And but. it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not bad to have a good defense, but Aaron is the, should be the focus as long as he's here and you try and make the best defense you can to support him. So you don't want to be the Bears. That's the thing. Like one of the reasons that the Bears can never keep it together is because that is their philosophy and has been forever. They're a defense first team. And sometimes that defense is the monsters of the midway or the lovey super good team. And sometimes they fall apart a year later for no real reason other than their schedule changed a little bit and Tommy Harris got hurt. Um, so you don't want that. You want to lean on Aaron. You want the defense to be there as a support piece, and you want it to be as good as you can. But you don't ever want to be a defense first team. That's loser talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, Devlin also had this question. Obviously, this is all within the context of having a Hall of Fame back-to-back MVP at quarterback, ensuring a high floor for your offense. But having a defensive coordinator whose defense had a DVOA in the 20s last year. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's also worth considering because they were they were good, but they weren't that good last year. So um, you don't want to be the defense first team with a team that hasn't proven that they're like even a top 10 defense yet. So there's that lingering for the Packers too. There's still some prove it to do here. And there's still some holes on that defense. Like Darnell Savage had a bad year. That's a problem. Their safety depth was a problem. Um, they still had some trouble stopping the run. It's uh, It's far from a sure thing that this is some top five defense that you can lean on to win games. I've decided I'm going back on the previous question from uh, Jonathan deal. My run the card up is punt God first oh. round. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Matt Areza. Uh I, Oh man, the content would be just supreme. Oh, I want it now. Uh, obviously that's not going to happen, but I'm going to dream <laughs> it would and I'm going to insist so with every very pick. insane. <laughs> with every pick that the Packers take the punt God, we are, we are out of questions, Paul. That's all yeah. we got for this week. Yep. It's off season. It's, it's spring break. Of course. Everybody's enjoying themselves at various places. So, but busy man, the Packers, everybody, just a lot, a lot of action. I think it's just being within the context of major league baseball, having its free agency period at essentially the same time because of the lockout. And then you throw in the college basketball tournament that's going on right now. Oh yeah. And uh, it just feels like, I mean, the NBA is kind of ramping down toward, toward the playoffs. It just feels like it's just a, just a sports bonfire right now. Every day there's something new. So uh, it feels, uh, it feels kind of electric. There's, there's always some news every, yep. every day brings us something new. It's nuts. It's the best time of sports, sports time of the year. So indeed, it's great. Indeed. All right. All right. That's it. Um, uh, you're on vacation. You have nothing to plug. Other than... Yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I have nothing this week, although I, I did just get to cover those NCAA first round games in Milwaukee and had the time. I, I really had a great time. It was really it's just a real honor to do that sort of thing uh, and was super, super fun. I really was intrigued by some of the storylines. Iowa State, even though they knocked out uh, Wisconsin, they've got a heavy Wisconsin presence. Their coaches from Milwaukee, their uh, freshman point guard is from Racine. So uh, top assistants from Milwaukee. So that was really, really cool. And, and, and following for a little bit, Yale, a team that didn't get to play last year because the Ivy league canceled their season uh, while everybody else played on. So that was kind of cool to, to see them in the field. Yeah. So it, it was really neat. I mean, Texas had, had a player, um, Andrew Jones who's overcome leukemia, uh, phenomenal, like seven year career guy who declared, I think in 2017, uh, for the draft initially and ended up withdrawing his name. But like 2017, the guy was trying to prepare for an NBA career and like 
he's in the 2022 NCAA <laughs> tournament. Like that is mind boggling. That but is also true. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so weird. He's 20. I think he's 25 years old. Uh, he might only be 24, but he's, he's up there way up there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I had a, I had a really good time and it softens the blow a little bit. You know, I think I've talked about this before. I, I, I don't, I think people are aware that I grew up a heavy, heavy Wisconsin sports fan and, and still feel very strongly about the teams in, in the market. But you know, when you cover it, it's just like something just takes over your brain and it just isn't the same it isn't the same experience it's it's just much more professionalized and even the the badgers losing i wasn't there for the uh the second round games i was in kentucky already but even even that loss just isn't as deep because because it was covering it to a degree so um so i even got a selfish little benefit out of it nice i'm sure it would have been much worse otherwise Uh, yes i was yes i was on a plane for that game so i'm glad i didn't see it for the best, for yes. the best. Um, so yeah, other than, that's a long way of saying I have nothing new or interesting. To, <laughs> to do. Even the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that I host had, uh, had did not have me this week, but uh, uh, we we did have a Brewers, our Journal Sentinel Brewers podcast dropped its first episode last week. You should subscribe to that if you do not already, indeed, because uh, it'll be me, Todd Rosiak, and uh, my my good friend Kurt Hogue is joining the beat this year. Yeah. We'll be doing a lot of that stuff, and, and the Bucks podcast with Jim Ozarski drops every Tuesday. So uh, so that's what I got. That's it. Nice. If you need another Brewers podcast, in addition to that one, you can also listen to me on the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast, which we recorded yeah. this last week to go over actual baseball and not labor law. Thank God. Um, so nice. <laughs> may we never speak of it again. Um, and I will have a piece up on in Acme Packing Company on the the sort of weirdness of Devontae Adams and why he's not really like any other top receiver and why you can replace him with some creativity uh, if you actually bother to do so, though not sure they will. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And other than that, uh, you know, we probably won't be back again until draft time because it's not that far away unless other weird stuff. Nothing really weird can happen, though, right? Like that's that's everybody who warrants a podcast, probably. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe if like Jair goes crazy or something. But uh, yeah, pro- probably draft preview next time. So um, everybody enjoy the offseason. We'll be back when we talk about young guys who might be Packers. <laughs>